Howdy and welcome to the 10-Week Bible Study. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to jump into Revelation 7, 1-8 today. Well, welcome back to the 10-Week Bible Study. This is week four, day three of our study of Revelation. Join me as we pray before we start. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us. Speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. to will be reading today from the NIV. This is Revelation 7, starting in verse 1. After, I saw th- uh, after this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Let's pause right there. So in, the, in chapter 6, we saw the first six seal judgments. And remember, those are Jesus has taken the scroll from the Father and he's begun popping open the seven seals that are holding the scroll together. And he's done the first six. And now we're going to pause. Chapter seven is a, is a pause in that action. Uh, many people call this, and, and this is what I call this, the parenth- a parenthetical section of Revelation. We have... Uh, now that we've started in the seal judgments, we're moving forward in this chronology of of the unveiling of the end times, the unveiling of the great tribulation that we will more closely define later in, in Revelation. But this is the great tribulation, the last three and a half years, and we're progressing forward through that in chapter six. And then chapter seven, we, we pause and we, we take a break from the progression of that understanding, the the, the the, the timeline here. And now we're going to be given some background information to understand that's going on simultaneously with the, the, the pouring out of the sealed judgments. So each one of these parenthetical sections, is, we're going to pause and we're going to look backwards and say, okay, here's some background information that you need to know that's going on simultaneously to everything else. And that's what this is. And so here, John saying, I, I saw these four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Now, I don't know what that means. And, and you know, there's a whole bunch of kind of ancient figurative understanding, right? The four corners of the earth. This isn't some kind of like flat earth thing. This is, a, a, a right, a sphere doesn't have corners, right? But in, in the ancients' understanding, and that's what this is referencing. This is not referencing like, a real, like we've got some kind of cubic earth where they're at these four corners. No, we're, we're looking at kind of an ancient's understanding and, and they're referencing an ancient's understanding of the earth. And they would have these kinds of, of uh, figurative language surrounding, you know, kind of how they felt about the map, right? If you've got a map laid out flat, you have four corners, right? That's the idea that we're talking about here. Uh, they're not literal four corners, but if, if you're thinking of a map, you've got four corners. And so these four angels are essentially taking their positions on the globe, taking their positions on the map. And the Lord tells them to hold back the wind so that it won't blow, right? And this is kind of strange. You know, wind is actually, the the moon has a lot to do with the surf, right? It has a lot to do with the waves and tidal flows and things like that. It has the, the biggest uh part of of the tides but when you got waves and things like that wind plays a huge part in that and 
you know, wind plays a huge part in just so many processes on earth. Like, you know, take corn, for instance, corn is pollinated. Like we get actual, you know, stalks, ears of corn because wind blows and pollinates all of the corn stalks without wind. Uh, you don't actually get any pollination. They're, they're not something that bees go and pollinate and things like that. There's a lot of crops, wheat, other things like that. You don't get pollination from bees. You can actually get it from wind. It blows in the wind. And so if you're not getting that wind, you're not getting the pollination. So this almost seems like this has something to do with the famine. Um, I've heard stories, you know, people who grew up in like Iowa and, and, and Nebraska, places where there were... Um, lots and lots of corn, you know, that if there was like a season where there wasn't a lot of rain or a lot of wind or something like that, they'd, they'd, farmers would pay high school students to go out through the stalks of the corn and shake them real good to, to make sure that they got pollinated during the right season. So there's, there's something to this, but I don't want to claim that I understand fully why the Lord would want to withhold this, um, the winds. That's just such an interesting thing, right? Especially since, you know, people sailing on the ocean, they don't require wind anymore to do that. So it's, it's just a very interesting statement. Verse two. Then I saw another angel coming up from the East, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice of the four angels who'd been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. All right, so what we have here is is like the the lack of wind, the, the withholding of the wind. It's going to harm the land and the sea. So there's a lot of natural processes that require the wind that aren't going to be happening. And so these angels, they're being given authority to harm the earth. But before that, another angel's like, wait, 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 before you do that, we have to put a seal on these 144,000 people, and it's specific to the tribes of Israel. This is a divine protection specific to the 144,000 people that have been chosen from the people of Israel. Now, there's a lot more than 144,000 Jews and people from Israel, and so this is a very interesting number. And, you know, cults and things have been started based on this number, right? 144,000 is obviously, as we're going to see, 12,000 times 12,000. So there's 12 tribes of Israel, 12,000 people apiece. That adds up to 144,000. What we see here is not the full scale of the protection that the Lord is going to give, in, in my opinion, but it is one specific look at at a very specific people who are going to be protected and for a very specific reason. I believe that the protection during this time period is much, much broader than just these 144,000. But these people are protected for a very, very specific reason. And what we're going to look at next is the list of the, the tribes. And it's a very interesting list. So let's jump into that. Verse five. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. 
From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. Now, if you're like, wow, he actually read every single one of those exactly as written. Uh, yes, that's actually something that I want to do every single time. I, I don't want to leave any word out from the word of God as we're reading through it. I never want to do that, even if it's something like this. But I think it's important to uh, to feel like we're told this just like this. And 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 there's kind of an emotional impact, I think, when you read the something this redundant over and over and over again. I think it can actually make an impact on, on you emotionally as you read through that. One of the interesting things about this listing of the tribes of Israel is there's nothing like it anywhere else in Scripture. Now, to be honest, everywhere in Scripture where the tribes are listed, it seems like there's always something a little bit different. And here's what I mean. What we need to understand is Jacob, Israel, had 12 sons. Uh, It's important, and, and, and two of the sons are the ones where the accounting turns very strange. Joseph is one of them, and Levi is the other. So in the accounting of the 12, at different times, we get a list of 12 different names throughout the Old Testament. Sometimes the 12 sons of Israel, Levi is counted and Joseph is counted. Other times Levi is taken out because they don't actually have a land inheritance, a, a, a zone. They were dispersed throughout the land of Israel. And there's the, supposed to be the priests and the Levites, and, and they are the ones who were told the Lord is their inheritance, but they don't get an allotment of land like the other 12 tribes. So what happened was when Jacob came to Egypt, remember, he finds out that Joseph has got two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And so he blesses them, and, and it says that he reckoned them to him as his own sons. And so we see whenever Levi is not counted in the Old Testament, instead of Joseph being one of the 12 sons, we see that actually Joseph is kind of split in two, and we see that Ephraim and Manasseh become the two tribes of Israel. So Joseph gets split in two. And incidentally, uh, Ephraim and Manasseh ended up being, Joseph's clan ended up being one of the largest in of the tribes of all of Israel. And in fact, very often in the Old Testament, when referring to the northern kind of clans of Israel, the northern nation of Israel is often referred to as Ephraim because that's where the city of Samaria was, and it actually represented a big chunk of the land of Israel, Ephraim did. The interesting thing here is that we actually, in, in this listing of the tribes of Israel, we actually get Levi And we actually get Manasseh, but what we don't get is Ephraim. We get Joseph and we get Manasseh. So we get Joseph is a tribe, but then the half tribe of Manasseh, the one that kind of came from Joseph is listed, but not Ephraim. And we have Levi. So it's it's the most unique listing of the 12 tribes of Israel anywhere in the Bible because it just completely leaves out Ephraim and kind of counts Manasseh, Joseph twice. It's, it's very strange, very strange. And there's, there's a lot of, of 
interesting takeaways from that. There's a lot of, I'll say, cultic takeaways from that. There's a lot that people have made about this very interesting list. I think sometimes as we're looking through the book of Revelation, we understand that this is a book of prophecy. This is not a book of explaining to us how our world is now. It's not a book of, hey, if you're really smart, you're going to be able to figure this out. We're going to see later that it actually is like those who are wise are going to figure this this thing out. The, the wisdom that it's talking about is not, hey, if you're a really smart person, you can deduce from all these numbers and all this kind of stuff. You're going to figure this out. That's not what we're talking about. Those that are wise are those that walk with the Holy Spirit, those that gain understanding in those time periods. And so as a book of prophecy, there's going to be some things here that we, that they don't make sense to us right now. But if you are actually someone walking this out and living this out, it's going to be like, oh my goodness, that makes so much sense now, right? So it's a book of prophecy, something looking into the future. So there's some of these things that we can see what's going on here with these 12 tribes, but you know, honestly, I look at it as like, I don't understand why the list is so strange, so unique in all of scripture. But I fully believe that when we come to that period of time, if I were to live through this period of time, be like, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense now, right? That's, that's, that, I get it. And so I think there's a lot of things happening with that. So sometimes I think we can actually do a disservice to ourselves. It's like, well, this is exactly what this means. And there's a lot of people who's like, well, this is why Ephraim was rejected from this list and so on. So it's like, there, it may be true. Like they may be a hundred percent right, but I don't know that anybody can with 100% certainty know why this list is the way that it is until we see it happen, until we see that happen and why it happens that way. And that brings us back to the very specific reason these people are sealed and these alone from this very specific um, event of the wind being held back so that it harms the earth. And and really, this is kind of a, a mention of protection during the sealed judgments is why the specific 144,000, why exactly 12,000 from each tribe it's a very specific number, has a very specific reason, and I don't know what that reason is. <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody knows why these 12,000 are sealed specifically. We're going to come back to some of these numbers a little bit later, and we might see into this just a little bit, but I think when it comes down to it, it's like the Lord has chosen these 144,000 for a very specific reason, and and it's, it's, it's not 100% clear that these 144,000 are going to be one-to-one with the 144,000 we're going to see later in the book of Revelation. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. And so I feel it's best to kind of hold these things loosely. Say, hmm, that's interesting. Maybe there's some meaning here. Maybe I don't get the meaning. Um, people have made an entire literally... Uh, cultic denominations based on this chapter here because of some interesting and and novel take on what this means. I think it's good to like have an imagination what this could look like. It's good to to ponder it, think about it, but hold it loosely. There's a lot of things in Revelation that are very knowable, very very uh, clear points of information throughout this book. 
And then there's some things that are not so clear. It is a challenging book. And again, this is one of those places where I want to make the easy things and the clear things clear. And I want to make the challenging things. I don't want to make them less challenging. They just are. And so we've already seen some of those challenging things. We've seen some of those clear things. And I think it's best to understand them in, in their own proper respective lights. And this is one of those that it's not perfectly clear exactly what this means. But we do see something in general here is that there is protection proclaimed for God's people during these end times. We'll see a little bit more of that later. For the 10-Week Bible Study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Well, thanks for joining me today on our study. Would you like and subscribe to wherever you're watching this? It really helps more people find out about our broadcast. And my heart is for more people to fall in love with God and his word. 